you're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. Hear from Zoe. So if you turn to, your, to, the, turn to the screen, we're going to have the Bible reading this morning from John 17, or you can open your Bibles to John 17, verse 20. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be all one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, and you in me, that they may know, that, that, may, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me, and love them, even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also whom have given me, whom you have given me, may be with me wherever I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning, friends. Thank you, April. Hello, everyone. So good to be with you. So good to be here opening God's Word. My name is Ben. I am, as April says, uh, at City on a Hill, Ballarat, which is a church of five because our family has just moved up this week and we are going to start the process of planting uh, City on a Hill, Ballarat. That's not true. We've been gathering with a, with a core team, a launch team for the last six months or so, and we pray and plan to grow that over the next year or so before we launch uh, our next City on a Hill Church. Really excited to be part of that, excited to see what God is going to do through us in Ballarat, through the team. I really appreciate the invitation to be here with you. Uh, We love coming to Geelong. Our family has always been blessed when we've come and been part of City on a Hill Geelong. It's a a thrill to be here again, to be opening God's Word uh, with you. We are so encouraged every time we come down because many of you we know have been praying for Ballarat, the city, praying for City on a Hill, Ballarat, praying for us as a a family as we make that transition. I'm so grateful for that. Thank you for your prayers. Uh, And speaking of prayers, as we've heard from April, we are in a series on prayer. All of January, uh, we thought as a movement of churches that we wanted to start this year as we mean to go on in prayer. And so we're committing January to getting deep into God's Word, listening to Him teach us about prayer, listening to what He has to say to shape our prayer lives and to encourage us in our work and ministry of prayer together as a church. And why don't we do that? Why don't we pray and ask for His help as we open His Word this morning? Lord Jesus, thank You that You here show us Your prayers. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you indeed pray for us. And Lord, I pray that as we open this passage in John 17, and as we look at your prayer for us, Lord Jesus, you would encourage us, you would make us people of prayer, and you would blow our minds with this miracle that you would pray for us even on the eve of your death, Lord Jesus. We praise you and thank you. Amen. Uh, well, friends, let me add my welcome to, your, uh, to, to April's. If you're new with us, if you're holidaying in Geelong or you're kind of checking out Christianity in this new year, maybe Christianity is one of the things you're considering uh, as a new thing this year. Welcome to you. So good to be with you. Uh, question for us to start this morning. Sincere question. 
Do you pray? And if you do pray, how would you rate your prayer life? Our author and pastor Tim Keller gives us this really helpful image to diagnose how we're going in our prayer life. I think we have a picture of a boat. Imagine your soul is a boat with both oars and sails. Perhaps your prayer life, in your prayer life, you are sailing. The wind is at your back. You enjoy time with God. There's closeness. You see answers to prayer happening everywhere. Praying for you is as natural as breathing. Maybe you're sailing. Uh, perhaps you're not sailing, but you're, you're rowing. You're not feeling the wind at the moment, but there's still forward momentum. You're going in the right direction. It's taking effort and discipline, but you're doing it. Uh, it's a dry spell, but you are still going in the right direction. You're rowing. Uh, perhaps now you're drifting. Uh, you're feeling that same dryness, but you're not moving. There's no action. There's no impetus to get up and pray. It just feels easier and more comfortable to, I don't know, watch another show than to stop and pray. Or, or perhaps you're not drifting now, your boat is sinking. You've been drifting for so long that you're numb, and, and so if some major storm or crisis was to hit your life, well, you could see a way that you just give up your Christian identity because it doesn't have much of a, a hold on your life. I wonder which of those postures do you most resonate with? I've got to be honest that I was punched in the guts when I read this because I look back at my Christian life and I think for so much of it, I've actually spent it drifting. Prayer doesn't come that easy for me. I can be lazy. I lack discipline. And if I'm honest, I'm really horribly self-reliant. I kind of, I don't think I need God ridiculously. I can do this on my own. And so I'm excited about this series. I want to grow in this part of my life. I want to go deeper with God in prayer. I want to know this gift more keenly in my own life. I want to feel His wind in my seals again. Uh, my hope and prayer is that we, as a, a movement of churches, will experience that wind blowing us in the right direction this month. Uh, but we're starting with this prayer in John 17, because this is a, a time of year that you may still be in resolution mode. Anyone still going on their New Year's resolutions? Literally no hands. That is disappointing. Mine is, wouldn't be up if I wasn't asking the question. Uh, we resolve to be better in 2023, right? We're gonna do better than we did last year, but I wanted to start today not with uh, another resolution, but with this refreshing revelation, Jesus prays for us. We don't have to blow into our own seals. God does. Here is Jesus, the, the Son of God. He's before his Father, and he is praying for you and I. It's so encouraging. I want us to mark this before we get into the, the meat of his prayer. He's having his last supper with his disciples, and at the end of the meal, before he goes out, and the next day he'll be arrested and crucified, he prays. He prays for himself in the first part of John 17, then he prays for the disciples sitting with him. And then in verses 20 to 26, this is where we'll camp out, he prays for us. If you've got your Bible open, turn with me to John 17 so you can see I'm not making this up. He says this, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Jesus is praying for anyone after this meal who, who hasn't met him in the flesh but believes 
He is who he says he is, according to the, the words of the disciples, based on their testimony, who believe through their words. Uh, so if you're a Christian, that is you. Jesus prays for us. In fact, get this, he's still praying for us. Here is Hebrews 7. We read, consequently, he, Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. In other words, he's always praying for those who believe him. I, I love this, right? This is the Trinity, the triune God at work. It's God the Son, that's Jesus praying to God the Father, and in response, in answer to his prayers, he pours out God the Spirit upon those whom Jesus prays for. So, no matter what state our prayer life is in, right, no matter what boat or what image we, we resonated with, Jesus is praying for us. Isn't that amazing? He knows what we went through last year and all the years before that. He knows how the first 15 days have started for this year. He knows what lies before us, and He is praying for us. By name, personally, He's in the throne room of the God who made the universe. He's bringing Ben before His Father. He's interceding for April and asking for her well-being this year. He's praying for Sylvan, and all of us, one by one, each of us by name, Jesus is praying for us. Isn't that mind-blowing? And what is he praying for us? Well, we get that, the window to what he's praying in verses 20 to 26. So we'll use three headlines to get us through this prayer to guide us. He prays first for our oneness, he prays for our mission, and he prays that we would see his glory. Three points for us this morning. So let's think about this first one. Uh, Jesus prays for our oneness. Now, confession, I wasn't very good at maths at school, I, I don't know if the rules of maths permit this, but here it goes. There are two dimensions to our oneness. Can we do that? There's two dimensions. There is us and God, kind of a, a vertical dimension, and then the horizontal dimension that is us with each other. Jesus prays for intimacy and, and unity and togetherness, both directions. So let's have a look at verse 21. Here is what Jesus is praying. I do not ask, he says, uh, for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may also be in us. It's a prayer for unity, isn't it? It's miraculous, actually, because he's praying that we would experience the same unity that he has with his Father. Uh, same thing he prays in verse 22, that, that they, that's us, may be one, even as we, Father and Son, are one. It's not a perfect analogy, but it's like parents who have a great love for each other. They're a couple, they're married, they love each other very much, and then they have kids, and, and for each of those kids, they love those kids just the same amount. There's no kind of limit to the reserves of love they have. It grows each time they have a new child, no matter how many there are, and that's the same. We're swept up into this same eternal relationship of love that father and son have since before, Jesus says, the foundation of the world. So, we're invited to call him Father. In fact, not just Father, though there's some kind of distance or standoffishness. No, Paul says in Galatians 4 that Christian is an adopted child of God, and because we have his Spirit living in us, because we're adopted, we can call him Abba, 
father. That's the, the Jewish word for dad or, or daddy. It's so intimate, isn't it? There's a famous picture of John F. Kennedy. I think we have it on the screen. He's the, the president of the United States. He's working in the Oval Office. His desk is piled high. There it is with important looking papers. But look at his feet. Peeking out from under the desk is his son. It's John Jr. Here is the most important man in the world, maybe the busiest man in the world, but for his son, he's just dad. It's a beautiful picture of access and, and familiarity and even intimacy, isn't it? Good dads don't chase their sons and daughters away. They aren't too busy for their children. They welcome their kids with a, a kiss and a hug and a, a listening ear. God is a good dad. And he invites us to come and spend time with him, and he loves it when we do. I, I don't know about you, but the start of the year for me is always a good time to take stock, to look back and reflect on where our life is. And as we do that, maybe we find ourselves caught in habits or, or patterns of behavior that, that we don't like, things that are hurting ourselves and, and perhaps even hurting other people. And those things you know, the Bible calls sin, and, and they make it hard for us to come to God, don't they? Because we feel ashamed, or we feel distant, or we, we feel that like He'll be angry with us, or he won't want to listen to us. It could be the, the cycle of temptation, and we're using porn, or, or even having casual sex, and then comes the shame and, and the regret with that. Or, or maybe that's not it for you. Maybe it's the cycle of anger. It rises up in us, and then eventually we lash out with words or, or even violence, and we hurt someone else, and we, we feel that same shame ourselves. Maybe it's the cycle of jealousy that wells up inside. We're online and we're seeing everyone else's perfect Christmas pictures and the holidays that they're having and ours weren't. And so we, we pick those people apart because we want to find something imperfect about them to make us feel better. But, but we don't really, do we? We kind of end up just festering in resentment. But when we fall into those habits again, we don't like ourselves, but we do love that little taste of sin, don't we? We enjoy it, and so we're trapped. And that can push us away from God. Or maybe it's not so much a pattern for you. Maybe there's just one big mistake in the past. There's one thing looming in your past that you can't now get past. Perhaps it's a relationship we ruined, or maybe it's someone we caused great harm to. And and when we wallow in these things, it, we can picture God as a stern, stony-faced, kind of arms-crossed Father. He's angry with us, or maybe worse, He's not angry, He's just disappointed. But friend, that's not the person Jesus introduces us here. God is a, a Father, according to Jesus. He yearns for us to come to Him. He longs for us to come home, and, and you know, Praying is one of the best ways we can experience that oneness and intimacy with God. So to pray is to spend time with a dad who delights in us. So here's a, a challenge to try this week. Uh, why don't you find in your diary, block out half an hour, 30 minutes, that's all. Good starting point. It's God time. Nothing else can inter interrupt that time. 
brew your drink of choice, find a, a comfortable spot at home or not in home if, if home's too chaotic, settle in and just talk to God. Start how you would start a conversation with a friend, right? Tell them how you're doing, your, your highs and lows that day, the, the people you met, the feelings that have been evoked for you. And look, from there, our prayers will evolve, they'll deepen, they'll spiral out, and we'll pray for other people and other places. But that's a great place to start enjoying quality time with God. Chu Churn Morgan is an author. She puts it beautifully. She writes, you are stepping into a conversation that is older than time itself, one that belongs to the very court of heaven. God himself has enlarged that circle, has made a place for us in that delightful conversation that has existed from infinity past. Isn't that lovely? Jesus prays we would experience oneness with God. And then flowing from that oneness is, is a oneness, a unity uh, for his brothers and sisters, his Christian brothers and sisters, children of God, that, that we would stand together and mirror the unity within the triune God. Here is the end of verse 22. He prays that they, that's us, may be one even as we are one, that they may become perfectly one. Jesus is praying for our unity, and, and, and the, the foundation of that unity is a, a shared belief in God, a, a God we know because Jesus has introduced us to Him, and we know this through the, the words of testimony of the disciples, and we believe they're true because we share the same Spirit. That is the, the common feature of every Christian. It's the basis of our unity, again, grounded in the Trinity, isn't it? And this togetherness should be visible anytime Christians gather together. And, and where does that happen most often? It's the local church, isn't it? This is where Christians gather together more commonly than anywhere else. See, the only hell, Jesus' heart is for our oneness. I love that Jesus knows how things are going to play out, right? He, he knows something that lots of us, probably all of us, have experienced at some point. That's why he prays. Uh, that, in verse 23, we may become perfectly one. We're not yet a perfect one. Our unity is not complete. We're a, a work in progress. And so, when someone in church does something that hurts us, and they will, on purpose or, or by accident, Jesus is praying that we would extend forgiveness to that person, and so our unity be restored. When we do something that hurts someone else, and we will, Jesus is praying that we would offer an apology, a sincere and heartfelt apology, and that we would seek to be reconciled with the person we have wronged, and so unity be restored. When we disagree on something that is not core to the gospel, something that isn't really at the heart of what it means to be a Christian, like perhaps when the right time is to be baptized or the, the kind of songs we sing at church, too much of this style, not enough of that same style, or, or whether we lean left or we lean right in politics, Jesus is praying that we will reach over those differences and embrace each other in unity so that we might become one. We're a work in progress. So, City on Hill Geelong, how are we doing as an answer to Jesus' prayer. 
any relationship sores that we need to treat? Any harsh words that, that we need to seek forgiveness for? Any unsaid words that we're harboring in our hearts, resentment or frustration or anger towards someone else that we need to deal with? Any not so important divides that we need to reach across? Today is a great day to deal with them. Seek that person out, even after the service over a cup of coffee, seek them out, do your bit to put that relationship right. It really matters to Jesus. He's praying this on the night before he dies. It's so important to him, and here's why it's so important. Second part of his prayer, it matters for mission. Jesus prays here for mission. You see, the oneness that the Christian is invited into, this closeness with God and with each other, it's not a closed relationship, right? God's hope, his mission, his purpose in sending Jesus is that he would gather many people to himself. And it continues even after Jesus departs, as he will shortly after John 17. Uh, right up to the 19th century, the source of the River Nile had fascinated people for thousands of years. It, it powered this ancient and ongoing civilization in Egypt. It brought life, flourishing life, to an otherwise desert area. It was one of the longest rivers in the world, and yet no one had ever officially charted its source. And so, in the age of European exploration and colonization in the 19th century, two explorers, we've got their photo, Richard Burton and John Hanning speak, risked everything to find where this mighty river began. They, they suffered disease and food shortages and attacks. Uh, Burton, it was, got a, a spear through both cheeks. Uh, but they suffered it all. Such was their desire to know, to find the source of this precious life flow. The, the effects of the river were so obvious, right? They, they could see what flowed from it, and, and yet they wanted to know what its source was. Eventually speak found it, though it would cost him his life not long after. Yeah, it's a bit like this with God, not that we would lose our lives when we find him, uh, but as his love for us flows, the effects are meant to be obvious, right? They're meant to be evident to the people around us, that the impact God has in our lives is meant to be visible as we love one another, as we serve the city of Geelong, as we love the people that God has put us among his purpose in that is that others will be drawn in curiosity to know, well, what's the source of this love? And unlike the Nile, the source will not be hard to find because God wants to reveal himself to this world. Twice Jesus prays here that the purpose of the church's oneness is, verse 21, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And again, verse 23, so that the world may know that you sent me and, and loved them even as you loved me. We know this verse, right? God so loved the world that he sent his son into this world so that people would believe in him and, and by believing have life in his name. His mission is to make himself known to this world. And now that Jesus' work on earth is nearly done, his first phase of this mission is, is nearly complete. His prayer is that phase two would continue and that the church would be a living testimony to God, the, the source, the fount of love in this world. 
That mission is at the heart of God's purpose for us and, and for this world. And, and so there are implications that we should take note of. We should be on mission. We should be praying for mission. It's great that we've prayed already for Zoe. We should keep praying for us and for people we're supporting far away. But secondly, if we believe in Jesus, we're also the answer to his prayer. We've believed because we've seen this love at, at work. We've seen it in a community of people who love Jesus. Others have share Jesus with us from these words, and there is power in this prayer. We're the living testimony to that. So, look, if you're here today because you're weighing Christianity up, if, if this is something you're considering for this new year, well, if I may be so bold, you are in the perfect place to consider it. Because, right, if you stick around, you stay here for a few weeks, you'll get to see whether there is any truth in these words, whether there is any power in Jesus' prayer. If there's not, then you will find City on a Hill, Geelong, no different to any other community in this city. There'll be no discernible difference in the, the depth or the diversity or the, the quality of the relationships that you find here. And if that's what you find, well, we're not living up to our calling as a church and your research is done. You can tick it off and say Christianity is, has none of the divine power that we claim it has. But if you do find patterns of behavior that point to a, a deeper love, a source beyond just people, and I hope and pray you do, then your life will be changed forever. I hope you find here irregularities amongst the people here, this weird urge we have to give money away instead of hoarding it so that missionaries and, and gospel ministry and this church would flourish. I hope you find that. I hope you find a, a diverse group of people mixing with each other, different ages, different stages of life, different backgrounds, and not just kind of bumping into each other at church, but actually genuinely relating to each other, actually listening to one another, going out of their way to help other people, even to the point of their own discomfort to help others and to help you if you're considering Christianity, to show up with stuff when you need help, to be there when, when you need support, to check in with you so that you know you're not doing life on your own. Friend, I hope that's what you find here, and I hope that as you do, you'll hear us say week in, week out, the source of this love is God. And church, I hope that's who will be will be that people so captivated by the love that, that we've been swept up into that we can't help but share it with other people. Jesus prays his mission would continue through us. He prays, have a look at verse 26, that I made known to them your name and I will continue, I will continue to make it known. So Christians, how good would it be if our prayers continue to be saturated with that same concern. How good it is that we prayed for Zoe, how, how good it would be that we keep praying for her and pray for one another that we would have opportunities to share Jesus day to day, week in, week out in the communities that God has put us in. Here's something I'm going to try. Maybe you could try this too. I'm aiming to grow this habit in my life as we've moved to, to Ballarat to plant a church up there. I want to be more intentional about mission, so uh, I've got a journal, pen and paper, so I can take note of 
the people I meet and the, the conversations we have. I'm keeping a, a mission prayer journal. It means that I can be praying for people that I meet by name. I can be praying for Luke, our neighbor who we just met this week, and asking God that the next time we meet, the next conversation just goes that little bit deeper, that we get past the surface chit-chat and into the things that really matter to us. I can pray that I'd be a good listener, that I would have the chance to share practically the love of Jesus with these people, that I would have an opportunity to share my hope in Jesus. I want to be more deliberate in praying missional prayers. I want people to come and experience the, the overflowing love of God. I challenge you to have a go too. Try and start that new habit for this new year. Imagine the ripple effect that would have across Geelong if everyone here was praying intentionally day in, day out for your neighbors, for your colleagues, for your classmates. What a difference that would make if there is power in Jesus' prayer. He prays for oneness. He prays for mission. Last thing he prays is that we would see his glory. This is so good. Uh, the glory of God is like the, the radiance of the sun. Like yesterday, there's not a cloud in the sky, right? What happened today? I don't know. But yesterday, uh, it bursts outwards. It can't be contained, right? It, it floods us with light and, and heat and life. And that is like the glory of God. Think of the glory that shone around the angels as they announced the birth of Jesus to the shepherds, the glory of God. I think about the, the transfiguration that Peter seeing Christ's radiant glory. Or think of the new Jerusalem, that heavenly city, no need for a sun. It's bathed in the glorious light of Christ. Jesus prays that we would see his glory. It's a glory we see now, in part because we, we see that Jesus has revealed God to us. He says so in verse 22. He says, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them. Jesus is our window into seeing what God is truly like. And so when we pray, we can know the person we're praying to. We're not just praying to the, to the air, to the clouds. We're praying to this God, a, a God who deserves our awe and adoration. How do we pray big prayers of awe and adoration? Well, we can use the Bible itself to pray back to God. It's full of language and images of God's greatness and, and majesty that we can turn into prayer. We can even use this prayer, Jesus' prayer. In John 17, we're going to do it in a moment. We're going to finish with it where we can turn Jesus' language back into our own prayers. To pray like that is to follow his example. That's always a good thing. And it is to give God the, the honor and glory that is his due. Jesus has shown us just a, a glimpse of God's glory. But it will get even better. Jesus prays in verse 24. Take a look. He prays that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. That we would see the glory that God has given Jesus. That, that is a prayer that we would persevere, that we would stick with him, so that we could see him in all his glory 
at his father's side in full royal splendor. That's the the end goal of his mission. It's the end goal of his prayer that we would stick with him. We can see Jesus in glory now. He's God's son. We can know him through his word and by the spirit. We experience intimacy and oneness and open conversation with him always. But there will be a day when it will be better by far, when we'll actually see him face to face. So, no matter what state our our prayer life is in, no matter what boat we feel like we're in, whether we're sailing or rowing or drifting or, or even sinking, please don't despair. Jesus is praying for us. His desire is that we would know him more deeply and that that we would know more deeply his love for us and that we would grow more deeply in that love and that we would be there on that day when there'll be no distractions. No seasons of dryness, no drifting. No, we would see the fullness of his glory and enjoy him forever. That's what he's praying for us here, right now. Why don't we pray and thank him for that? And we'll use the words of his own prayer to do that. Will you pray with me? City on a hill. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you prayed for us, those who would believe in you through the words of the disciples. You pray that we would be one. And so, Lord, may we be one. May we be a united church, a church quick to forgive and quick to offer sincere apologies when we wrong one another. May we be a church that meditates on your glory, the glory that you have shown us, May we be a church, Lord, that is eager to pass on this glory, to share what you have shared with us, to invite other people into our loving and secure relationship with you, our Heavenly Father. Lord God, we long for the world around us, the people that you have put us among, to know this love. We praise you and thank you, Lord Jesus, that you will continue to make your love known through us, through your word, by your spirit. Lord, use us as a living testimony to your goodness and grace. You are awesome, Lord God. You are majestic. We praise you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, Or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.